little bit of housekeeping before we start the podcast. Um, we are live on the Easter Bank Holiday Weekend back in the Sugar Club with a brilliant lineup. So tickets are available now on eventbrite.ie. They're selling very well, so grab them. Just go into eventbrite.ie, throw in Tortoise Shack, you'll find us there. Grab the tickets and hope to see lots of you on the night. Um, also, just a quick reminder, we have no ads, no sponsors. We rely totally on listeners. Um, it's the Patreon model, folks. It's, it's, it's altruism, but you do get something back. You get an exclusive Patreon feed with all of our consolidated podcasts in one place. You get them as, I can, as quickly as I can produce them. Uh, if, you ha- if you are a member, there's, a, there's an energy charter treaty one out there at the moment. There's my conversation with Paul Murphy following the, uh, the failure to clap in the doll. There's uh, conversations with, well, look, I think there's about 800-odd different podcasts out there exclusive bits of content all on patreon.com forward slash tortoise it's the price of a cup of coffee and it helps get this podcast going the other thing it does it means you don't have to listen to this because we don't put these inserts into those podcasts so you know if you're fed up of me pleading and i'm fed up doing them please go ahead go across to patreon.com forward slash tortoise join us there and uh, i'll let you enjoy this podcast now that rory recorded yesterday Welcome to Reboot Republic, a podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope, and I'm your host, Rory Hearn, and I'm delighted to be joined back on the podcast again by a guest we've had before, um, and I'm really delighted because it is Marissa McMahon from the Participation and Practice and Rights Project in Belfast. Marissa, thanks so much for coming back on Reboot. Thank you so much, Rory, for having me back, and a very good morning to you. Good morning to you as well and to all our listeners. Um, I was up in Belfast last week and um, it was great and it was mad because we've been working together on this project for about a year and a half at least now and we'd never met each other in person and it was great to meet you in person. Was it better than you were expecting, Rory? <laughs> no, it was no really I knew it would be good crack. So, you know, I went, no, no, no. It, 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 <laughs> it met all my expectations perfectly. Um, I was hoping you were going to say exceeded your expectations because um, definitely ours were exceeded. Um, but uh, yours no, were ex- all jokes aside, the group, the group really, really appreciated you coming up um, and being there with them last Wednesday. So... They want the media extender. Thanks this morning. Oh, well, that's good. That's it was uh, just explained to listeners. We were you're working with a group of um, homeless individuals, families, people who are in housing insecurity, poor conditions, who are asylum seekers and people from Belfast as well. And um, you had arranged you were having your weekly meeting with them. And I sat down with them and talked and listened to their stories and you know, I was really, um, you know, I suppose I, I do a lot of this in terms of, you know, work, listening to people's stories and trying to communicate them out and helping them communicate them out. Because I think it's so important that, you know, we do get the stories of how people are humanly impacted by housing and homelessness. And, and I was still struck by what struck me was the similarity between what's going on in Dublin and Belfast that you could have replicated you know, the stories, you know, people who were you know, so bad as feeling suicidal because of the situation in the housing, you know, the substandard, the lack of security, this constant moving on, 
the use of the housing benefit to get accommodation from the private rental sector. We have the exact same thing here. I was really, and that was actually thing that it depressed me a bit. And I was sad. To see. I expected things to not be as bad up there, but they are bad, aren't they? They are. Um, they most definitely are. And then added in, as you've seen, is a layer of um, division, mm. as in, you know, actual walls and barriers and furious um, infrastructure that separates communities, that leaves people and places literally barren, you know. <laughs> you've, you've seen Mackey's, for example. Yeah, a massive yeah. piece of land with such potential, and yet it is not being used or utilised to its full potential because of this sectarian division that we still have, and that people are really, really surprised about twenty odd years post Good Friday Agreement. But I would definitely agree in that. Um, and you heard you heard some people there who spent time in Dublin. Um, yeah. through the asylum system and stuff speak about the similarities however they were also struck by where they've seen homeless people here on the street down in Dublin they were explaining they've seen a lot of homeless families literally yes. on the street and that's not something you would see in, in Belfast city centre as such there's a lot more hidden homeless as in people you know sofa surfing or in as you see many of the hostels that are about the city yeah 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 I was really struck by that the, the amount of hostels the amount of emergency accommodation and the numbers you were giving in terms of people who were in emergency accommodation. Um, I can't remember if you have the numbers to hand or not. It was, I think, how many? We well, I know how many rough at least figures is what we get when we ask um, state authorities for them because they don't actually keep a, a specific, you know, they don't keep a specific data count. Or, but there's at least 44,000 households across the north waiting to be housed off that there is at least in and around 27,000 I think recognised as homeless so yeah. are given this full duty applicant status however so you seen where Mackey's was situated you did a bit of a tour from the bottom from the city centre up to Mackey's there's at least nine homeless hostels just in West Belfast alone three of those are family hostels in that one area um, and what you would also find is people in hostels who don't have homeless points. They're not recognised as homeless. And it's a, it was a different campaign that we had going, FDA, no delay, as in how much more homeless have you to be to be recognised by the state as being homeless? Yeah. You're living in emergency um, accommodation, homeless emergency accommodation, but you're still not officially counted as homeless. Homeless. And you don't have those, hom those 70 homeless points that you need to be on a list to be in the in the waiting for a home. Yeah. It, it's unbelievable. It makes yeah. no sense to me. Yeah. I'm sure it makes no, no sense to you. Yeah, no, and it was it was incredible to um to drive around, you know, the city to uh, obviously I was being driven, chauffeured by Sean. <laughs> <laughs> And what a great job he did. <laughs> he he did a great job. And it was fascinating to hear his own history. He had done the the um tours, hadn't he, as part of the um Oh, what was it he was talking about? Was it the ex-paramilitary? Ex-prisoners, ex yeah. He was doing, yeah, and he was talking about crossing over the divide, how he'd bring the group and then hand them over to, to the others in terms of the... But he used to do the tours of Belfast. And it was fascinating to see. And I was struck by what you said, how it is still 
the infrastructure of division is there. You know, the gates that close at seven o'clock in the evening, the bollards on some roads that are there for no reason. As I said, it's not like they're pedestrianizing the road. It's they're actually stopping one community from being able to go down into another. Um, And, you know, how that division, as you say, meant that means that you have this incredible site of public land and public land is something that, you know, our listeners down here would be very, feel very strongly about. Um, and it's something we're very familiar with that we also have a huge amount of public land here owned by councils, owned by state bodies that is literally sitting there idle and people are going, how the hell do we allow this when we've, you know, people who need homes. And I was struck by that piece of land, you know, where it was and the size of it you know, and the fact that homes could be built on it. But you were saying that, well, they can't, well, they're saying they can't build homes on it because it's called one of these um, uh, interface um, places. But I was looking at it like, it's a giant site, you know, there's no interface there. It's like it could easily be designed with homes that, you know, and, and as, as you constantly talk about the idea of the future, at what point do you make integrated homes and, and homes for everyone and the new communities coming in? Um, and that's really what should be on Mackey's, which is what you've been campaigning for. Yeah, um, as it said, and as you you know, that back in 2015, families of Build Homes Now mapped several pieces of land throughout Belfast, you know, the bigger pieces. More recently, people have been out, they've been trained by um, uh, an award-winning photographer to, to take pieces of land, match the coordinates, and it's now mapped on takebackthecity.ie, the map that's on that. So not only is there big, massive pieces of land, people have found smaller pieces of land, not yeah. only for homes, but for like growing spaces, you know. But Explain that again, because I think that's a fascinating thing that you did. And people can look at that map now. It's on, um, what's, do you, you don't have the website to hand, it's on. Yeah, yeah, Take takebackthecity.ie. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, and what it's, it's essentially a map of Belfast and it gives you a lot of a lot of information and you can, you know, cross reference data sets. But it started with families back in 2015, literally going out, finding pieces of land, mainly. And these were families owned. who were actually homeless or in homeless situation yep. who were homeless. Yeah, um, these were families. So I was still very much part of the campaign at that time. Whilst I wasn't homeless, I was still um, working with homeless families in a voluntary capacity. Um, it was families that says to us, you know, I pass X, Y and Z pieces of land every day. They've been left like that since 20, whatever, 19, yeah. whatever. Yeah. What about them? So we went out with um, a quality Can't Wait Build Homes Now posters and tied them to the fences outside Mackey's, Sirocco, which is a, another piece of land over in East Belfast, um, Hillview, which was a piece of land that you've seen up in North Belfast. And family started asking, who owns these, la- these pieces of land? Yeah. And why are they not being utilised? So that's where it started up to present day, where we now have a map that shows you the so-called interfaces that shows you where money is being invested and what that's being used to do in certain communities. And it also shows you massive pieces of land that aren't being used at all. So that's where the idea came from. And Mackey's in particular 
because as you said of its size it's one thing when you're standing on it and then you can see from our tweet this morning when you see the aerial view of just how big yeah it is yeah um where they were council and the department for communities as well as the department for infrastructure have proposed a greenway so there's peace for money has, has been provided for a greenway which was going to connect different parts of the city right through to the city centre and families have said yes we need a greenway yes we need green space but we also need to alleviate um this this homelessness crisis that we have and west belfast has the highest need for homes in the whole of the six counties and if we aren't putting homes at mackey's then where are we going to put them that's the question they're actually asking candidates who are running yeah. for election um and they've come up with, and you've been involved, Take Back the City Coalition's been involved in coming up with all sorts of visions of what, you know, a sustainable eco-village could look like as a bit of a prototype at Mackey's to be extended throughout the city. And that's where they're at. And they're not, you know, they're not backing down. There's a member of the campaign who has taken a, and has been granted leave for a judicial review. I mean, this very brave woman felt she had no other choice than to take you know, the state, the court, because they haven't even considered Mackey's for anything else other than a Greenway. And this is someone who's affected by the housing crisis themselves. Yes, this is somebody who's been waiting, I think they're coming up on the eight years with um, two children, one of whom is disabled on a suitable home um, for her and her family's needs and has done everything imaginable to try and obtain yeah. that home yeah. but can't and so she is now taking a judicial action against the council for developing so, yep um, and this grew out of a council meeting in September where it was Sinn Féin, the UP and the PUP voted to put on through the Peace for money and have Greenway started and um, and not listen to families impacted by the housing crisis in West Belfast and, you know, not have them come, have their say, show their vision, work with those in power who can make this vision happen, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not like families are saying greenways aren't needed, green spaces aren't needed, pot mm. homes are. We know and we've seen on team, and I'm sure it's the same in Dublin and elsewhere, where if you put a pile of homes with no other infrastructure, with no other amenities, it doesn't work. Absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. people need... So this is where this vision is, is came from. People have come up with things like a multi-faith centre, um, a mental health crisis centre, shops, play facilities, growing spaces. Genuinely a vision for what is needed to sustain a better Belfast these families have it. We're we're working with you and architects and planners to to come up with, you know, visions of this. Actual, let's look at this visions, and yet council um, didn't want to know. They didn't want to know. So you got the well. Explain explain um, in terms of the legal implications of this. Now, what does it mean for that judgment? What does the judgment mean for? It's it's. Oh, you know, this is we've we've people in the campaign have have done this before. There's been a few attempts at, at a JR judicial review that hasn't ever got passed. You know, being granted leave to be heard. Yeah. So I think even yeah. that is unprecedented. Mm. It also sets um, 
I'm not not even going to pretend to know what it means in the legal jargon, but what it means yeah. for us, for us as campaigners and for families, what it meant was, geez, somebody actually cares. You know, this judge ruled that you know, that's not right in a sense, you know, and yeah. that's that's where people are at. Um, and it's a big deal because it hasn't happened before. Yeah, yeah. And, and it shows the extent to which the people affected by the crisis are having to take leadership and, Literally you know, actually up. stand yep. up and go, look, this is not okay. As you say, you've got land here and you said, you know, nine hostels in the area with homeless families and uh, not just homelessness, of course, you know, what you were talking about as well, that hidden homelessness, you know, the overcrowding in families, the generation rent, people stuck in, you know, expensive substandard rental accommodation that, the housing crisis in Belfast as well, just as it is down here, it goes way beyond people in hostels as well. It does. It does. And there was, you know, there was people there who are, and it's even, it, it's, as you're saying about the, the housing benefit and to pay a private landlord, there's, there's that going on to the extent where there's a family in a single let, as it's called. So it's temporary emergency accommodation. A lady I'm thinking of in particular has been there six years. Yeah. And it's subcontracted out. So there's a landlord and then there's like a management company, home care, who manages that. Um, and ultimately you can trace that back to the housing executive. So it's all these, you know, all this money going somewhere. The house has literally fallen down around her. One of her kids in particular has been at the hospital three times because of a structural issue in the house. It's really unsafe. It's caused injury. And even to get a repair done, she has to go through home care, to go through the landlord. You know, it's like, when does this end? When? Yeah. How much longer is all this money? And it's a lot, it's people, and I've worked in the past in family support jobs in West Belfast, and people have had to give up work because to live in a hostel, you're talking over a hundred odd pound a week plus service charges. So they couldn't work because they couldn't afford to pay that. You know, it makes no sense. Absolutely yeah. no sense. And then yeah. you've, places where, where homes could be being built. There's no, as far as I'm aware, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, there's no, you know, regulation of these landlords. So and every time I log into Facebook, I see another family's been evicted for somebody else to be put in because the rents went up another 200, 300 pounds unnecessarily. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's all that. that it's sad. It's yeah. sad that this is the capitalist world that we live in that, and that nobody thinks that, or our government doesn't seem to care to want to step in and, and stop that. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it, the the evictions going on and that that profiting from, you know, human need for home is just like that. It's, pro it's not just profiting. It's actually, you know, exploiting, you know, people exactly. and exploiting and the state paying, you know, for these substandard conditions because it just won't build bloody homes. Um, I mean, and it's like housing shouldn't be a commodity, you know, the fact that yeah. you and your children need a safe, warm, affordable place to live shouldn't be, you know, profit, profit, what am I trying to say, like profit, do you know what I mean? Like it's sickening. Yeah. And then you look at other models around the world where it's housing first and everything else and you go, why can't we just do that? Look at how this works. It mightn't be yeah. perfect, there might still be flaws, but... Yeah. Why can't we at least even think about a future like that? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the, the sustainability angle. And I was really struck as well by, 
you know, we talked about this when we were going around. Um, you know, you can't escape the history um, and the fact that here we are, you know, since how many decades on since the civil rights movement, which housing was at the core of that, the substandard condition of Catholic housing. Um, yep. And, you know, Protestant Catholics united together around the civil rights and those ideas. And here we are now, and it is still, and you were saying that, you know, it is still largely Catholic areas where the housing crisis is worse and is really bad, really bad. You know, the overcrowding um, and that this is, it's just like, it's incredible that, you know, all that, you know, I say, do you need another civil rights movement? Literally. Um, and yeah, you think of all those people who were part of that. Our founder, Inez McCormick in particular, who was also part of that movement back in 1969. Um, and here we are in 2022. And there's still systemic religious inequality and housing provision in the north of Ireland. Um, and that's not my fault or your fault or, you know, it's a fault of policies and age-old policies that have been being made. And the campaigners made a really good film that was shown as part of Belfast Film Festival. So on our website, nlb.ie, there's um, a film called Walia Home. And it has the campaigners talking about that. And there's... I mean, if he doesn't run for president of Ireland, there's something wrong. A young lad called Muirhaf, who's like 16 years of age, I think. And he was he says, nowhere else in the world do politicians and political parties actively, you know, stop housing being built, apart from here. I've never yeah. seen it elsewhere. And that's what happens. And you've seen that example at Girdwood, where there was, you know, supposed to be 200-odd homes. And because of a political stance, it was dwindled. Um, and that's not to say there's not a housing need in Protestant areas. And I hate, but you've seen the walls that separate two communities. So for yeah, the want of yeah. Catholic and Protestant. I know um, we're generalizing as well. And yeah, we're generalizing. We are. Yeah. There's to, there's a need. And we've worked in, in various, and you heard us talk about the campaigns we've run in various um, PUL, Protestant Unionist Loyalist communities, where there's a house, it's a different need. You know, it's a need for better windows and better heating system and but the statistics don't lie, and the statistics on Take Back the City website have a projected need for the future, in in particular West Belfast, and projected into like 2030 something, the need in one side of the community is basically zero, and the need in the other is through the roof. And you can see those statistics on our website when it comes to child homelessness as well, the amount of um, Catholic children living in, in homelessness. And again, Mackey's could be a place where that could help alleviate those those numbers and yet we're not building homes there yeah and and it is you know the the, the problems of you know the way the peace was forged and you know was true in many ways people have described you know an entrenchment of or a structural continuation of sectarianism within the state and institutions. And, and in some ways that was necessary, but surely at this point now we have to go that, you know, and you could see it as well. And you talk about it, you know, there's so many young people and not so young people who don't see things through the eyes of sectarian politics, who, you know, see it through what Belfast could be as a community and the North could be as a community. And, 
you know, how we live together. And, and you've got the new communities coming in, you know, um, migrants, asylum seekers, and and of course the problems, them not being able to buy homes in certain player, places. You know, the people I talked to there as well talked about the racism. Of course, we have racism down here as well. It's not unique to Belfast in any way, shape or form. Um, but that sense of how do you do you feel do you think that that there is because i do feel and from you know you talked about it that there is new generations and people who do want to do politics and society differently there is <laughs> the group itself and the vision they've come up with for mackies and people that we work with young people i mean the small thing you're saying about the gates being shut at six o'clock i mean that hinders for toxic my daughter been able to <laughs> go see her friend who lives at the other side of that gate. It hinders lots of stuff. It's, it's things that people like you were like, what? We just take for granted, you know? And yeah. it, you're just you're just brought up in it. There definitely is a thirst and there's a want to, you know, look at how we've always did things that clearly aren't working. I mean, I know we currently have no government. I've lost count of the amount of times it's broke down since when, it, you know, People are fed up. There's people queuing at food banks, literally queuing at food banks. There's people switching their heating off at the mains because they can't afford to put gas or oil in. There's people coming in here that can't work, but want to work because of policy. You know, there's so much that, and it's, it, I mean, you're saying about being a bit depressed. You do be. And there's some days I walk away from this going, what's the point? And then yeah. you go back into that group who, or like, well, why can't we just do this? And it's a sound yeah. plan. And you're like, why can't we? So yeah. it's up to us, you know, because if we aren't going to challenge it, then who is? Do we go on like this forever? Because it's unsustainable in many ways, not just the sectarian debate, the racism, and, you know, but for the um, economy and, and for the environment. And it's not sustainable. And it is, it definitely is younger people. And you've seen it, you've seen the moves down south, especially repeal and climate change up here. You know, young people are saying no. Like we're fed up, um, and it is unfortunate that a lot of stuff, not just housing, is still segregated here. But it doesn't stop people coming together to say, right, enough's enough. What can we do? You know, as people who are paying to live here and paying in the arts society, what can we do to change that? So that's the reason. Well, I know certainly for me, that's the reason why I keep going. Yeah, no, fair play to you. I, I'm really in awe of. <laughs> of your work that you do it, it's really it is so important and i think you're right you know the in many ways when you go into that room and you go in and you work with people who are in homelessness and those who are you know and younger people now and you know down here as well people talking of emigrating um not just talking they are emigrating are, because yep. they can't get a home um or don't see the possibility of getting a home of their own we have no choice but to keep going you know and i think that um, because we can't give up hope. We absolutely can't. And we have to keep dreaming, keep working towards it. Um, and I do believe that we will um we will get there. And you know, if we don't, we'll achieve things along the way. And at least we, uh, well, and they're important. All the small wins are important. For mm. example, that JR, it mightn't be massive in somebody's life, but it, it definitely gave the group a boost that was needed, you know. Um, yeah, that's the judicial review. Yep, for you, yep. So, yeah, and we do appreciate working with, you know, with experts and people in the field like you, Rory. So that doesn't go unnoticed. And, and 
we're looking forward to take back the city and and what it has coming up and hopefully the you know in August the Mackey's event and the vision and it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see all the people who yeah. are plugging away um to make a city of the future yeah because that, that is the in place yeah, that is the interesting other the angle because the other angle that that you're you know you have in this um which you know really attracted me as well was the sustainability the environmental climate sustainability but also the idea of cooperatives and and you know not just building more social housing that's just managed by the council but actually having people involved cooperatives affordable housing that you know communities are involved and brought together and empowered and I think as well for down here and I think for the world that, you know, we're always going to need homes and we're going to have to provide people homes. And I think in many ways, when you look at our climate targets, you know, everything else in many ways, a lot of things can be cut and should be cut, but people still need homes. So we have to find ways to provide sustainable homes and homes that can be. And I think at the core of everything for me anyway, if, if you have a home, you can do everything else. But if you don't have a home, you can do nothing. And, and that's that's a hundred percent. I mean, I think I said this last week. I look back at pictures of me about ten years ago when I was initially, you know, homeless and then living in really, really crap accommodation, and it shows on a person physically. And you heard people speaking about how it makes them feel literally suicidal. Yeah. Um. So can you imagine that? And I mean, I know we're fortunate. We're very. We should, definitely privileged literally yeah. compared to most that we have a home that we can provide our children with that has space and it's warm and and how they're going to grow up compared to and you've done and you know this kids who grow up in a homeless setting or in hotels or constantly being moved about through private landlords um and how that impacts it they don't even have a start for the future like that starts just diminish if not obliterated mm. so can you imagine if if we're providing if the state are providing if people themselves are able to say here is a decent start in your life the difference that's going to make to somebody yeah. growing up do you yeah. know what i mean and there's any amount of studies to show that so you'd wonder is that not what our governments want for people or is it just us crazy people who think that that's <laughs> a good idea do you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, it, it, that is the question. It absolutely is the question. Why do our governments not want this? You know, they say they do, yep. but they're not doing what's needed to actually provide yeah. it. Yeah. And you can say stuff all day long. It's actions, isn't it? It is. It's actions that, that prove yeah. that. So, um, and yeah, for people, because we're losing, like think of the, the the knowledge and the young people and the f- people we're losing, as you say, are emigrating because they literally are going to be in their parents' back room forever. Yeah. Yeah, or this the crappy, room. expensive, yeah, flat. A campus flat that is falling down around them. Yeah. It's damaging their health, and that nobody seems to give a toss about. You know. Yeah, yeah. So listen, we'll keep on working. We will. <laughs> we sure will. That's what we be doing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Marissa McMahon from the Participation and Practice and Rights Project. Uh, thank you so much for coming back again on Reboot Republic. Thank you so much for having me, Roy. Really appreciate it. And people can check out the website for the, if they want to check out the campaign, it's at? Takebackthecity.ie as well as nlb.ie. Brilliant. Great. Thanks so much. And we will, yeah, hopefully looking forward to coming back up in August and we'll, we'll do talk to you again then. And, um, we won't mention the elections really. There's probably not a whole pile of points to talk about. (laughs) 
point in an election if we're not going to have a government there. Well, sure, yeah. see what the crack is. God yeah. knows what will happen by August, Rory. Might have yeah. homes at Mackey's by then. You never know. You never know. <laughs> but uh, you're obviously putting the housing thing central to the election as much as you can. Most definitely. And we're asking our candidates at every opportunity, you know, if you're not putting homes at Mackey's, where are you putting them? Yeah. And the group good. are asking all their local, um, you know, people running the same question. So that'll be interesting. That's the question you're asking to it is politicians. Indeed. It's a question I'm certainly asking. There's other questions, by the way, that are on the website. You'll see. No like what? That's the question that I'm asking. There's questions around mental health. There's questions around, are they going to lift the ban for asylum seekers to be able to work? There's questions around social security. Um, there's, there's actually a section, a wee hosting section we have on, on the NLB website where there's an opportunity to email your your um, candidates directly in your okay. area and ask okay. those questions, which is interesting. Great. So for our listeners in the north, um, they, mm-hmm. they can go if they want to look out, look and find questions. Or if you're down here and you feel like emailing the candidates as well, <laughs> why not? Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, we would recommend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We obviously have. At least one party standing in Boach. And Fane is obviously standing in Boach. So I'm sure if you're interested, you can email them and ask them or you can email the SDLP or the PUP or those other ones, the TUP. I saw the posters up and the whole lot emailed them and asked them what are their stands on the issues. So you can get your questions from um, NLB. What was their website then? Yep. NLB.ie. And you'll see there's a link to the hustings, um, hustings of a different way. Great, great. And it's always, politicians always love to get emails like that. <laughs> oh, I, and uh, yes, more the better. Fill the their the, inbox up. <laughs> exactly. Fill their inbox up. Yeah, exactly. With the questions. But they do, they, they always like to fob off, um, you know, people and say, oh, we're doing this. They hate those specific, really uh, well worded and thought out questions, which come directly. So, yeah, definitely encourage people to send those on. Listen, Marissa, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Brilliant. Thank you, Roy. Appreciate yes, it. Thanks.